2020, a new year. It's the perfect opportunity to take your business to the next level by hiring the right people. But finding qualified candidates can be challenging. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin makes it easy. ZipRecruiter sends your job to more than 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there with their powerful matching technology. ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes and finds people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one, spotlighting the top candidates so you never miss a great match. It's so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-G-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Standing up and speaking out, here's Hal Sparks. Well, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, It is a fantastic, uh, yet freezing Saturday where I am. I'm on the road again, as you often are. Um, And uh, I'm happy you could join me this week. Uh, Johnny Million won't be with us this week. He'll be returning next week. There is a ton of news that has obviously happened this week. The delivery of the... um, the impeachment charges up into to the Senate where they will uh, go right into the circular filing bin that, uh, that Mitch McConnell has been preparing for weeks. Um, it's, it's, I think the same bin that, uh, yeah, that I'm going to go with Matt gets throws up in uh, after a, a weekend of binging with the boys, driving home drunk and uh, coming up with new games where his fellow Republicans can uh, get points for sleeping with their staff. So there's that. <laughs> um, over the course of the the last week, I think a lot of back and forth it has gone on and rightly so about whether or not Mitch McConnell will have a fair trial, whether or not there will be witnesses, whether or not um, there will be a um, a legitimate uh, pushback from, you know, uh, availed to Democrats and others to um, to show witnesses will, whether the Republicans will want to bring, you know, will want to subpoena um, Biden and Hunt and, and Hunter Biden to make this case that they were looking into actual corruption. And you know, we've said many times before that obviously if Trump was concerned at all about corruption, he wouldn't have these meetings that he takes with uh, Vladimir Putin without note takers present where they destroy the the notes afterwards of the uh, the the translator. And then, of course, that they wouldn't be delivering paper notes to each other that are destroyed once they read like some sort of like low end Mission Impossible dinner theater version of things. He certainly wouldn't be meeting without conditions with Kim Jong Un. So the idea that corruption is the and you know, it's just that. I'm not going to have this meeting with Zelensky because I I don't like corruption. I I don't care about politics. I don't care about anything. I don't, which you know, might be actually true statements. But all I care about is corruption. And uh, of course, uh, th- that is a non qualitative uh, um, statement in terms of adjectives. So when he says I don't care about corruption, it obviously doesn't bother him when it doesn't help him to worry about it. Now. The reality that whether or not constitutionally 
Mitch McConnell has the uh, desire, ability, cares about his legacy, cares about the ongoing stable uh, exchange of power and, and the separation of powers in the United States. The idea that he doesn't care about that or that it may benefit him more to scuttle any principles that he might have is kind of immaterial. Because uh, that is one of those things that you and I as individuals have no control over. What we do have control over is whether we put up with it, whether or not we are motivated to vote and and to get people like Mitch McConnell out, which is why beyond her being a superior candidate, uh, it's why I'm behind Amy McGrath in Kentucky. It makes sense. Anybody who's had a stranglehold on power that long, especially from a state, which was my original home state, by the way. Um, thank you for the super chat. That's awesome. Um, thank you, Lisa. Um, so anybody who has that stranglehold on power um, is going to want to hold on to it on a personal level. And the people of Kentucky can sort of be forgiven for wanting um, Mitch McConnell to stay in office and, and stay speaker because it, they have outsized power, power that is not uh, is not qualified based on the the volume of humans in the state, right? Um, the idea that the Speaker of the House has control, basically, over whether or not this president will face an honest jury and whether he will have to face witnesses and whether his defense will have to make sense and be germane to the entire proceedings is um, is based on the whim and will of, uh, of a state with half the population of... Um, what Chicago, the whole state. So um, it, it is as if the um, thank you, Hal Vickery. Um, it is as if the at the very beginning of the the impeachment trial. Imagine the mayor of Chicago just walking into the proceedings and going, "It's going to go my way, and I'm going to dictate how this goes because I represent five times as many people technically than uh, Mitch McConnell does." I, I, you know. On a democratic level, is that the will of the people, you know, acting itself out? Are the positive voters who would vote for someone who's the, you know, Eric Garcetti is the mayor of Los Angeles, seven million people. Um, does he have more authority because he has more positive votes than he had more people vote for him or support him for mayor than Mitch McConnell has in his own state, which is half the size of something? The outsized control of what the Senate has is obviously a problem and it is effectively the electoral college version of governing. However, the separation of powers and the, and the legitimacy of that is well codified. And the only question we have now is does Mitch McConnell care and do the others care about their, their political legacy or their own personal family's dynasty or wealth at this point? And if you are a Trumpian, the answer is clear. If you're a Trump supporter, what you care about long term is not the health or security of the nation. Um, what you care about are short term wins to shore up your financial strength in the future. And for those of your progeny and uh, the hell with everybody else. And uh, otherwise, it, you know, the the tax break wouldn't have gone uh, the direction it did, uh, for example. So. I think it's a lot of uh, it's a much to do much to do about nothing in terms of whether or not Mitch McConnell is going to be legit in this regard. If there's a chance that John Robertson 
flexes some muscle and decides to make sure that it's a legit uh, affair, maybe that helps, maybe it doesn't. But the reality is there are two elements that I think we can deal with as legit aspects of this whole torrid affair and what we as a populace can do about it. The first one, of course, being that the man has been impeached. That impeachment, Donald Trump has been, he's the third president in our history to be impeached. Whether he is removed from office based on this impeachment is uh, relatively immaterial to that historical fact. Secondly, if the president wants to pat himself on the back for being exonerated by a by Mitch McConnell kind of putting on this show trial, uh, you know, speedy kind of complaint system version of it, where they basically just bring no witnesses, have people argue about whether or not the charges themselves reach this level, which is looks like is what he's doing. Then Donald Trump not only is impeached, but he goes down as a, a man who was impeached, but only kept in office by someone gaming the system on his behalf. And if anybody thinks that all the dirt around the political parties, uh, especially the RNC stuff, that all the the elements hacked that possibly that possibly, and I think a lot of us have the theory, um, have a lot to do with uh, Lindsey Graham's behavior of late, for example. If that's the case, um, that also goes along with that footnote, that asterisk next to Donald Trump's name forever that he was impeached. We'll also carry forth 50, 60, 100 years from now that he would have been thrown out of office if he had received any kind of a normal trial, but for the abject wall of protection put up by his party at that time due to the dual corruption that was going on, not just him and them protecting him because they were getting what they needed in terms of judges and those kind of things, but because they themselves were engaged in equal levels of corruption. And uh, it may have been found out weeks after the trial was over. It might have been found out over another election cycle. It might be found out 10 years from now. But the legacy will still be the same. And the asterisk next to Donald Trump's name is only going to grow. Um, and uh, we got to take a break. And we're going to talk about one of the, a couple of those ass to Rix's, uh, Devin Nunez specifically, and his relation to Lev Parnas. It's a curious thing, that whole, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know the dude. I, I never even spoke, you know, the name didn't even ring a bell, even though it's been all over the news. I just, you know, didn't put it together. Then we find out his assistant has been WhatsApping with the dude nonstop, coordinating. This is beyond just lying. This is conspiring. HSRPM is the hashtag on Twitter. I'll be back right after this. Picture your face in the mirror. See all those wrinkles around your eyes? How about crow's feet or large under eye bags? Well, imagine they're gone. And I'm not talking about some risky, expensive surgery. Just gone in minutes. It's called Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags in minutes. It's, it's the edge you're looking for. Simply put, you'll be blown away by the results. Plexiderm can give you the confidence you'll need to be yourself out at work or with friends. The best part is Plexiderm goes on clear so nobody knows you're using it, unless of course you tell them, which is sort of bragging. Go to triplexiderm.com and use my code SEXYLIBERAL for 50% off plus an additional $10 off. That's right, 50% off 
plus an extra $10 off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning code SEXYLIBERAL. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit triplexiderm.com today and use the code SEXYLIBERAL at checkout. That's triplexiderm.com. Now let's get back to Hal Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. I want to say uh, good morning to everybody in our chat room. Carl's in there, Rocky Mountain Mike, Amy, uh, Can't Stop Lion as always. Billy, you guys, it's great to see you guys. Thank you, me, uh, Lisa Mia Moore for the super chat as well as uh, Al Vickery and Amy. Uh, it's really fantastic. I appreciate it. And thanks to all our new uh, patrons um, who I think we've worked it out, uh, might be getting even more free shows how do I even talk about this without even talking about it? It's a big secret. You guys probably know, but I'm not going to say anything. Um, all right. Uh, that's it. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to tap the brakes because it's, it's going to be too much. Okay. So over the course of the last, you know, uh, over the course of the impeachment trial itself, um, they're probably one of the most irritating aspects of the whole thing was having to listen to Devin Nunez yapping, just his garbage responses and his constant kind of belligerent pushbacks on stuff. And most of what he was talking about ended up being uh, in large part just propaganda. It just became a a line of speaking that just kind of it was a wall he was erecting. It had nothing to do with it that was germane to the circumstance going on. It really didn't uh, involve a lot of questioning with the, the witnesses. Uh, a lot of it was simply just steamrolling over stuff. It was a gish gallop, effectively. And many of us, because of his, you know, midnight trips to the White House and his magically finding, um, you know, what he said was exculpatory evidence for him, but (laughs) the exculpatory evidence was stuff that he had brought himself to the White House or that they had given him to pretend that he had brought to the White House. Like, it was goofy. Then we find out that over the course of um, the, you know, this entire process, there's this really bizarre exchange going on between uh, Lev Parnas and uh, Devin Nunez's uh, main aide. Now, Devin Nunez has said repeatedly on the news that he doesn't recognize he, that he may have talked to Lev Parnas, but he talks to a lot of people. There was nothing that, you know, really, you know, sparked his mind that he had spoken to this person. The name sort of sounded familiar, like that kind of stuff, like total hedging, like the same defense that Trump is using about all of his pictures with Lev Parnas, especially the ones, the video that just came out that um, that Parnas's lawyer posted, which has. Parnas introducing Trump to somebody with his hand on Trump's back and his hand on this guy's back, literally physically putting them together. A guy, um, yeah, Dermot in our chair room says Nunez. I keep saying Nunez. I beg your pardon. It's because of my dear friend Oscar Nunez, uh, who's hilariously funny and a wonderful person. And and normally when I use that name, it's with love about someone I care about who's really great. Um, so I'll I'll make that distinction a little stronger. Thanks for the reminder. Um, so. Nunez, uh, um, his assistant, um, you know, had been in direct contact with Lev Parnas this whole time. And there the the House 
released, I guess, in the investigation, the Judiciary Committee um, released, and I'm showing it on screen, um, a, the WhatsApp messages between these fine fellows, including links and descriptions. And, and I mean, it goes on and on, which I think teaches us two things. One is um, there really is no such thing as a uh, as a hidden app service. You're just going to get found out at some point. At least from one angle or another. If the bad stuff is there, it's going to reach the surface somewhere in that area. So um, they extracted these from Lev Parnas's devices, which he turned over. And they are replete with multiple referential, like buddy, buddy hangout conversations between Derek Harvey, who is Nunez's uh, assistant, uh, chief of staff, essentially, and Lev Parnas. Um, and the two, <laughs> yes, um, and Robin in our chat room says uh, it should be pronounced uh, Munez, which I think is, <laughs> has to do with Devin Nunez's cow. Um, but a good portion of this was setting up when, when Nunez actually went over and met with um, Shulkin and, um, you know, who is the, the one of the prosecutors that that uh, Giuliani was interviewing for his documentary about the Bidens, which is going to crack the whole thing wide open. Um, um, never mind the fact that, A, they never found anything and B, they they found so much nothing that the Russians have resorted to hacking into Burisma in the last week to try and put some stuff in. <laughs> Because it's not like they don't have access. Okay, so um, I'm, I want to read through some of the the chats um, in here. I mean, there's some that are um, pretty ridiculous and seem slightly out of time. Um, one of the best is you know uh, is Lev Parnas sending uh, you know attachments and and Derek Harvey saying send to the business address and he goes sure and then he goes fax is best. Derek, Derek Harvey says, fa- using faxes, but mm-hmm. send a paper from your side to a paper thing in my side so I can shred it is essentially what that's about. Like, there's a certain point where if somebody doesn't like, I don't really text. You're like, okay, what do you not want to write down? Um, uh, Edward Brayman in our chat room says, how a little humor about WhatsApp. Israel hacked it years ago and it sends off a flare to NSA as to what to listen to. Further IP traffic uh, is tracked. Yeah, the, uh, none of these are uh, even even the the dark web, the literal dark web, not the intellectual dark web. But the literal dark web has so many governmental actors from all over the world tracking and tracing stuff that even what's supposed to be the grittiest parts of the, uh, of the web are literally just full of traps. Um, so I don't know why people would think they could get away with just what's happening like this. But in the case of this, they, they literally, there's a point where they get together. It says, hey, Derek, I'll be in D.C. tonight and tomorrow. Let's meet up. That's Lev Parnas. And uh, Derek Harvey says, um, I got to separate these voices so we know who they are. Um, let's see. So even though he doesn't really have an accent, I'm going to give Lev Parnas a Russian accent uh, just to, you know, 
because it, it's easier to pronounce his name. And then uh, Derek Harvey will be uh, Gary Busey. Uh, sure thing. Tomorrow, Trump. Sounds good. Uh, tomorrow at one at the Trump. Good. Missed your voice call. I'll be a few minutes late. It's okay. Here. <laughs> and then a series of links. Does that work for everybody? Can you tell them apart? Um, Hi, Derek. I'm in D.C. Let's please try to get together later today or sometime tomorrow. I'm leaving tomorrow, 3 o'clock, to the airport. Thank you. Uh, tonight? Uh, sure. We are at Trump with Rudy and John Solomon and Joe in private room. Can you come now? Uh, yes. <laughs> Sorry. Um, hi, Derek. Hope you're good. Any good news on letter for the prosecutors? Are you in D.C.? <laughs> it seems like Derek just can't wait to hang out with Lev uh, more and more like that was a good time. You know, we got it to hang out in like that private room with Rudy and John Solomon, who's that guy who writes at uh, he, he writes for the Hill. Amazingly supportive Trump pieces, considering he barely knows the man other than the fact that he hangs out with his lawyer at, at his tower all the time. Anyways, are you in D.C.? Um, in Ukraine. <laughs> is that in D.C.? I'm kidding. He didn't say that. And then the curious thing about this is along with these chats they send uh, back. Um, the he sends these cards and, for people and I'm showing this again to the chat on there or whatever. But you can look this up if you look up the link to the the what was released by the Judiciary Committee. Um, uh, uh Nazar Kolodininsky, um, who's the deputy prosecutor general of Ukraine and the head of the specialized anti-corruption prosecutor's office, or was, um, uh, uh, Konstantin uh, Kulik, who was also in the prosecutor's general's office, um, for whatever reason, dude has copies of the passports of these guys. Um, Maybe they just have several sitting around, but he just so they know who they're talking to, like they need to ID so that they don't sit in the room with the wrong guy. It's amazing. ISO Green says, uh, guys, I'm getting deployed again in two days. Good Lord. Um, we, you know, good luck. Be safe. Uh, hope you're going someplace um, where you're uh, well fortified, uh, my friend. Um, but we again, we now have more troops in the Middle East than when Donald Trump uh, came into office. Um, so that should come as no surprise. Anyways, uh, just stay on this part of it and we'll, we'll discuss that, the, the Iranian stuff that is still dangling out there, folks. It didn't just go away. Um, but these exchanges between the two of them are literally about their personal meetings. I don't, they have not released. There's a lot of other conversations that they had, but largely this stuff is about them meeting in person in private rooms at the Trump hotel and, and writing down as little as possible. I mean, that that's, that is the creepiest part of all this is the, the amount of word of, of mouth to ear espionage going on around this, uh, this whole conspiracy. And that's exactly what it is. These guys are sitting in a room conspiring to do multiple things. One is get 
Zelensky to announce an investigation into Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and the 2016 election, alleging that Ukraine actually hacked the election, not Russia, so that Russia can be relieved of six, uh, of sanctions and Putin can get his money back. That's I mean, that's that is one conspiracy. That is the act of the whole thing. That is why they wanted the announcement. They were conspiring to do so. And then there's this secondary conspiracy which is probably the creepiest thing of all. And we'll talk about it when we come back. This weird tracking of Marie Ivanovich, the, um, the Ukrainian ambassador, the, the U.S. Uh, ambassador to Ukraine. And this odd thing about tracking her physical movements. We'll talk about that when we come back. It's the Hell Sparks Radio program, Mega Worldwide, on WCPT Radio, Chicago's Progressive Talk. It's the Hell Sparks Radio podcast, Mega Worldwide, also on the Sexy Liberal Podcasting Network. And, of course, listen to the Wonky Donk with Jackie Schechner, also on the Podcasting Network. New episode coming up, I think, tomorrow or the day after tomorrow, whenever Chris posts it. And uh, more to come on that as well. And some great uh, sexy liberal news coming in the next couple weeks. It's all I'm saying. It's all I'm saying. We'll be back. Now let's get back with Hell Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. So um, the the document dump Friday um, about the conversations between Derek Harvey, who is um, an aide to Devin Nunes, and and to Lev Parnas, who was effectively like the coordinating secretary for uh, Giuliani's you know, attempts at making this conspiracy work in Ukraine um, are basically put the lie to everything that we have heard about um, what Trump has presented, what Giuliani has presented, you know, except for when he doesn't. Because, I mean, I guess Giuliani's in an interesting position in that he can every single thing he said, he's also said the opposite. So. I guess you can't trap him in anything like, you know, I didn't I didn't go over there to uh, investigate the Bidens. You're damn right. I told him to investigate the Bidens, like that kind of thing. You know, to, the, everything really Rudy has ever said, he's also said the opposite. The, the other and I think he gets that a bit from Trump as well, because Trump has this habit. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed is that every promise he makes comes with a we'll see what happens. Um, and it's it is it, he, there's. Like he doesn't build a road without five exit ramps. There's this weird affectation that he says, you know, I'm the first person who's ever done it. And it's the best it's ever been done, um, but it's not done yet. But you guys will see when it's done that it's going to be the best thing you've ever seen. But it may not. We'll see what happens. So that may not. We'll see what happens is just always a he just gives himself that off ramp just in case every single time. Well, Rudy's been effectively the same way. This is, so this is from the Washington Post. The, the newly released texts show that Parnas was working last spring to set up calls for uh, Harvey with the Ukrainian prosecutors who were feeding Giuliani information about Biden. Um, uh, also, do you want to interview the general prosecutor who got uh, ditched by Biden? By the way, um, they fixed that in the chats because he it because of uh, autofill. It was uh, dieted. He put ditched by Biden. It said dieted in the actual things, which I was like, what kind of odd code is that? 
um, you know, he cut the fat from the diet. Is that what he's like? You could read into the. Yeah. So um, also the anti-corruption prosecutor, let me know. Harvey says, does tomorrow work? Uh, does tomorrow work? <laughs> um, the messages also show that Harvey met with Parnas and Giuliani at the Trump Hotel in Washington. Harvey and a spokesman for Nunes did not immediately respond to requests for comment. You think? The text messages corroborate Parnas's previous claims that he arranged conversations with the Ukrainian president for the Nunes aid. And they deep, and they deepen questions about how much Nunes knew about the pressure campaign, even as he served as one of Trump's most uh, vociferous defenders during the House impeachment hearings. I was in shock when I was watching the hearings when I saw Devin Nunes sitting up there. Parnas told MSNBC's Rachel Maddow this week. I texted my attorney. I said, I can't believe this is happening. Records that the House Democrats released in December first show calls between Parnas and Nunes. At the time, Nunes said he couldn't remember speaking with Parnas. You know, he talks to a lot of people, you know, and uh, the name didn't ring, you know, sound, I, you know, uh, I, you know, I talked to lots of people, you know, Parnas, uh, I, I drove down Dundas in Chicago once uh, um, at a, a pair of aces at a poker game. Uh, um, I was I was trying to knit a, a little pet donkey stuffed animal for, you know, I, I tried to darn an ass at one point. And that, you know, it just it just gets mixed up in there, whether or not I talked to Parnas. Now, the fact is, one of the reasons he's saying that and why he felt the safety to say that it's obvious now is that he may have had a couple of personal interactions with him. But he then shelved all the other stuff out on Derek. So Derek Harvey is the go between. You know, this is the micro and the macro of the Trump methodology. You know, you send intermediaries, you send people in between you to carry the paper messages, people you trust or that you have dirt on so that you know that they will do what they are told. And that way you can say, I never spoke to that guy. I never talked to that guy. I don't know that guy. And then when it comes out, your assistant was talking to him going, well, I don't know why he was talking to him. You throw your assistant under the bus. And if the bus and the assistant's got to know that if they got caught, it's on them. That's what that is. Um, so the, the same thing applies to this dude, Derek Harvey, who I think now should have to testify. And I don't, I mean, I think that would be magic television for the house judiciary committee to bring on Devin Nunes, own assistant to testify in this. And if, especially if Nunes refuses to, 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 to remove himself and then I mean, is he going to throw the guy under the bus or is he just going to try and run interference for him? It's amazing. That would I mean, that's that's pay-per-view. That's amazing. So. Um, Parnas, you know, John Solomon, of course, is the, is the other major player in this. And that, you know, when he was writing on the Hill, he was writing these suspiciously supportive pieces for Trump. And then it turns out, oh, well, he's just part of this little circle. Um meeting at Trump Tower in a private room with Rudy Giuliani and Lev Parnas, who Trump doesn't know, but somehow is one of the, you know, it's just this guy he does business with it. You know, I think Rudy does business with him. I really, I really don't know. I mean, I've never really met the guy. 15 pictures come out of them meeting at different events. A video comes out of him with this hand on Trump's back, introducing him to other people. Like I, and it feels like, and I, I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels this way, and I'm curious, chat room, what you guys think, or even our callers, 773-763-9278, that Parnas, in his own way, was ever so slightly aware that he may have been in, in a situation where he was going to be patsied, 
where he was going to get set up later on by this, that he was going to be a fall guy if this all went south. And so what he wanted and needed was much like Zelensky needed this working meeting at the White House. I think Lev Parnas wanted all those pictures as uh, as insurance. In the same way that when Rudy Giuliani talks about the insurance that he has in case Trump throws him under the bus, it entails phone recordings and pictures, deeper versions of this. But Parnas himself knew that one of Trump's biggest defenses is he always pretends he doesn't know you. You know, you were a coffee boy, the the Papadopoulos and Carter Page element. Um, that in and of itself was reason enough, I think, for Lev Parnas to make sure that he had not just a picture with Trump, but multiple pictures with Trump at multiple gatherings and and stuff that showed him in close proximity. Because if you look at the pictures, especially the ones in the videos that he's that he has posted of him and Giuliani, where he's getting Giuliani to say hi to friends of his and remind remember, hey, Remember that girl you uh, met with? Say hi to her because we're going to see her again. She wants to say hi to you. And he, that video that he put out of, of him and Giuliani sitting together in that like hotel lobby atrium or whatever it was where uh, Giuliani is saying, you know, waving to somebody, basically doing a cameo for them. Uh, and Lev is leading him to go, hey, remember her? Remember we hung out. <clears throat> they can't. They look forward to seeing you again. And he, and and Giuliani follows right along and says, "I hope to see you again real soon." And that, so reminding them that this is an ongoing connection. I think Parnas knew that this stunk to high heaven was, and in case this went down, he was just ma- he was making a life preserver out of all this stuff. Um, and there is every reason to believe that Giuliani has a deeper, darker equivalent of that very same thing going for him. And that's why he brings up the, he said the insurance policy element several times. And it may be also why Giuliani slipped about that. I could try the case when he's talking about being a lawyer for, uh, for Trump in the impeachment trial. He says, yeah, I could, you know, I could be the defender on that. I could absolutely do this. I could even try the case. I could even try the case or I could even prosecute the case, I think is what he said. I think relates to the fact that it's the same slip about I have insurance in case he comes after me. And if you're thinking that regularly and you have the jelly brain of Rudolph Giuliani at this point in those private meetings at Trump Tower um, where you're or Trump Hotel in D.C. or all the Trump properties you feel safe to speak in. And you're talking to Lev and his and Igor all the time and they're your running buddies for this whole thing. You're going to get off the phone after Trump's been yelling at you repeatedly and you're going to turn to him and go, I got to cover my ass with this guy because he's going to, you know, Michael Cohen ended up in jail and that's not going to happen to me. And the minute you hear that and you know you're one rung down the ladder, you start building a case and it's clearly that's what this is, I think. So anyways, uh, we'll be back right after this. we got to take a break. Uh, 773-763-9278 is a number. Patreon.com slash Hal Sparks. Become a supporter of the show. Be our boss. Um, five bucks a month to, you know, to start up. A cup of coffee a month. Support the show. Higher levels get higher stuff. Everybody gets free shows. I print. I, I post comedy shows that are just for the patrons all the time. Uh, at least one a month. 
Uh, it's all extra, but become a Patreon. It supports the show. That's how we uh, pay for the show. So I appreciate you guys. We'll be back right after this. Um, and, uh, and we'll probably take some calls in the next hour. But I've got another little, is Carter Page innocent? That part bugs me. We'll be back. This is Tom Harmon, and you're listening to the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. So, um, one of the interesting things about this whole exchange, um, in in terms of uh, Parnas's involvement in the uh, you know the drumming up of this Ukraine in, um, announcement, because again. This was never about an actual investigation into Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. Um, I broke down the case a couple of weeks ago, but the short encapsulated uh, thing of why Hunter Biden was involved in Burisma at all um, is fairly obvious to anybody who's paid attention to the corruption that's gone on in Ukraine, that they had a, a failing oil and gas sector and a failing infrastructure sector because of the, the Russian sock puppets that were undermining the entire thing with the goal of making everyone hate their country and hate their government so that eventually they would fall back under the Russian fold, that the majority of Ukrainian voters would eventually go, this isn't working being separate from Russia. We were safer under the umbrella of Russia. Therefore, um, we should uh, you know, vote for Russian sympathizers and get back into the fold. One of the ways that you do that is you collapse sectors of industry. Um, uh, there, there's an argument that 2008 was, uh, done not necessarily by Russians, but by, uh, bad actors attempting to do similar things now. Um, and it didn't take much. It was a house of cards, but in the case of Ukraine, this was, you know, they'd had this problem. And with Burisma, there was, you know, is the main point of the oil and gas sector. Russia has every reason to want it to fail. So there was a lot of corruption there and other people wanted to invest in the area because there's money to be made and and they need investors to uh, build up this whole system. So there's this kind of stalemate. I'm not putting my money in that company because the last time I did, all of it went to Russians and I never saw it again. And it didn't build a single pipeline and there's no profit to come. And uh, along comes uh, uh, Hunter Biden and his two partners who had been, you know, basically investment capital guys, gathering investors, bringing them to different companies. That's what they do for a living. And you get put on the board as a member of those uh, when you invest that amount of money in an area, especially the more corrupt or the less trustworthy it is. You want to be there standing guard over the money that you brought in as an investor. It's it's fairly normal in the business world for something like that to happen. And one of the reasons why they wanted Hunter Biden on there and why he was sort of the guarantee point was his father was vice president and he wasn't going to steal the money and run off to Russia like the last, like Yovanovitch did, or, um, 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 sorry, um, like, uh, the, the last president of Ukraine did. So that was the concern of the investors. There was no way Hunter Biden could hide like some relatively nameless Ukrainian, uh, you know, Russian born Ukrainian could. So they felt like, all right, I'll put my money with your company. If you screw me, then I've got I can ruin the political futures of uh, everybody else. It's one of the reasons why people invest, why names matter in the investment community, too, is because you can't hide. It's one of the reasons why. Um, Epstein, in some ways, in his circles, got away with it for so long um, because he hid in open and he used other people as shields by getting dirtier people even than he in front of him that had more money 
to protect his whole thing. That's the ugly version of it. So anyways, um, point being, though, is that during this whole attempt to get this announcement made, the recurring aspect of this was Ivana uh, was that Marie Ivanovich was in um, was in the way. She was she was aware of the 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 corruption that had been going on for years, and and was very aware of who was working to actually fix it, who was scuttling it. Um, uh, she you know she was she was good at her job, aware of all the players knew the reality on the ground and was trying to, you know, work it with them in a way that furthered America's best interests and the best interests of, of stabilizing Ukraine while knowing all this dirty stuff was going on in the background and trying to mitigate and limit it. Which makes it really hard when you're trying to create an all new act of corruption out of whole cloth, which is what Rudy Giuliani and his buddies were trying to do. She was a barrier to that. Now, it is no surprise, considering how Trump has uh, dumped people in his cabinet before, that at some point he, you know, he would get rid of somebody if they just weren't playing ball. But he had, you know, he either had to have a good visual reason for doing it. If you'll notice, one of the ways that Trump gets rid of people is that he um, directly and through intermediaries mocks or degrades them over time calls them stupid, bad at their job, ineffective or corrupt, uh, deep state or former Obama or really think they're a Democrat. If you really look at it, that kind of those kind of phrases. And then ultimately you get this idea that he just doesn't like the person and then he can kind of kick them to the curb after everybody's after the news has been making the case that he's probably going to do it. If you drag it out a little longer than the normal news cycle window, which is 21 days. After that 21 days, he waits basically for that 21 days to be up and then he dumps them and people go, oh, well, you know, he was going to do it, wasn't he? And you forget why the reasoning becomes less important. People just get this idea that, well, he was going to do it. So the fact that he finally did it, I mean, why he did it is less important than I was right. You know, they just from a news standpoint, Yovanovitch was in a similar situation where he wanted to create this. They were attempting to create this smear campaign around her that she was ineffective, that she was you know, against him, that she wasn't supporting his uh, his agenda and the like, which is, I guess, on a personal level is true of his agenda. But she was supporting the uh, the official agenda of the United States of America and our official policy towards Ukraine, which was her job. But he was trying they were trying to gin up this idea. But the problem was they were on a time crunch. They were they needed to move quickly. This window of when the money had to go out before the Congress officially had to re-vote on authorizing the money to Ukraine again, which would have been a big news dust up. And like, why are you holding this? It would have made a big stink. They had a very short window uh, from July to mid-September. They needed this speech to happen and then they could release the money and then they could have the working meeting. The money was going to go out the door by hook or by crook. They had already made the decision. Uh, Bolton allegedly already told them, release the money on this date no matter what anybody says. Um, and then Mick Mulvaney acting as, uh, you know, is, is the head of the OMB, but he's also acting as chief of staff to the president is walking back and forth, giving the president's direct line, don't release the money. There's this back and forth happening all the time, waiting for this speech to happen. M- Zelensky needs to step out and say this thing. The minute he does, he gets the money and he gets um, a, a working meeting with the White House. 
And to prove that he's not going to get it, if he doesn't play ball, they eliminate his uh, – Pence doesn't come to the inauguration. Rick Perry ends up going. They're basically undercutting them at every turn. Um, and so ultimately they know, though, that the money's going to go out the door. There's a very short window. They, either the Congress is going to notice, everybody's going to flip out, then it's going to be really obvious this game has been – they're going to be discovered. In their mind, they can still keep this a secret. They can still keep it inside the conspiracy, a functional working one. If, in fact, he gives the speech and they release the money before the deadline so that the, they don't have to explain why they missed the deadline. And then the working meeting uh, was a secondary part of that. That's not a legal obligation. That's just a plus. But it's a sense of normalcy. By the way, still hasn't happened. No speech, no meeting. That's the quid pro quo that Sondland was talking about, along with the aid. That part is still off. Even though the money went out the door, it legally had to go out the door. The meeting, however, has never happened because the announcement never happened. The quid pro quo is ongoing. There you have it. So in terms of Yovanovitch, she was a, a problem. They had the, the normal system of starting to elevate her to being visible and, you know, talking about her on Fox News, having a couple of helicopter talks about, well, she's a problem and I don't like her, you know, basically creating this narrative that eventually he's going to let her go. All that stuff was, there just wasn't time for it. They were starting to gin it up, but it wasn't going to work. Then they decide, well, we just got to kind of shut her down and fire her and scare her off. And then it gets even more nefarious because beyond the fact that they were going to mock her and uh, create disdain for her in the mind of the, of Trump supporters and try to get her removed through those normal channels, Lev Parnas and these other folks were following her physically and which announcing where she was coming and going, when she was on her computer, when she was off her computer, when she would be walking out the door, going to her car. And if you pair that by itself, it would sound like, well, they're just spying on you because if they're looking for any dirt they can find so they can use that to get rid of you. But the problem is, tack that on top of the State Department calling her and going, look, you need to get on a plane. You need to get on a commercial plane with a lot of people around you. You're not going to get the the government plane to come back, even though you're staying in a government job, not this one, but a government job. You're going to you're getting broomed. You need to get on a commercial flight. So there's a lot of people with eyes on you this entire time until you get back. That paired with her being followed makes it really scary. We'll be back. It's the House Parks Radio program, Mega Worldwide. Welcome back to the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. It's now time for the happy ending. Yay! Yeah, I don't know how happy we should all be that the Russian government was basically dissolved under uh, um, under Putin. Um, but the, you know, it brings, to, I think, in stark relief, the reality that people have to face when you're, and this is gonna, this is part of, why this election matters, for example. Uh, 
I don't know if anybody's seen, I'm sure people in the chat room have seen it. There's a uh, movie called Edge Edge of Tomorrow. A lot of people saw it as uh, Live, Die, Repeat. It's, a, I, it's one of, I think it's the best sci-fi film of the last 25 years, hands down, in my estimation. It's, uh, it's, one, of, it's one of the few time travel movies that makes sense, that um, it sets up its own rules and maintains them. And then when those rules uh, recur, um, it's, it's fascinating. Anyway, so the... Um, and they're going to be doing a sequel. I'm curious to see how that, uh, works out. Um, but in the case of the beginning of the movie, at one point the uh, the main character has been through this so many times, he's seen this situation again and again and again, and he finally finds himself back in front of the, the, basically the UN general who's in charge of this attack to push back this alien invasion. And at one point he says to the guy, you don't, um, the reality is you don't have the, the intellectual capacity to deal with this threat and you never will. It's just a reality. He, he goes, I'm going to see this guy. This I grow every time I come back here because I live this day over and over again. But this guy's always going to be the same guy. Every day he wakes up with the same thought in his head. He's not growing because, and it's no fault of his, he's not getting any smarter day after day. I've been alive for a thousand years now. I've done this so many times and you're never going to change. That's where Trump is right now. Trump does not have, nor will he ever, the intellectual capacity to go toe-to-toe with someone like Vladimir Putin. And therefore, he will always be used as a, you know, as it, it, at, at best for Trump, a cudgel, and at worst, simply a bumper on the side of a pool table to get what uh, Putin wants. But you know, when it comes to someone like uh, Vladimir Putin, he's up against the limitations of the rules of his own country. And it only, you know, it, the whole goal of attacking the U.S. democracy ironically has blown up simply because of the strength of the U.S. economy coming out of the last recession. And, and uh, by the way, the work that Obama did um, in tripling the stock market. And uh, going from uh, losing 140,000 jobs a month to uh, a net gain that was bigger than the Bush administration during, uh, you know, a bunch of tax cuts and benefits. Um, But there you go. Um, Yeah, basically, um, you know, Obama spends his entire presidency ice skating uphill. We get to the top. He changes positions with Trump in the relay race. Trump falls down the hill ass over elbows and 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 it, it has better time than the the last president did less it seemed like so effortless when all he had to do was fall down and roll um and anyone's credit for that part of it um but uh this is from uh, the the guardian story now the president vladimir putin uh, dismissed R- russia's government ahead of parliamentary and presidential elections and appointed a little-known ally victor zubkov as the country's prime minister Another uh, GRU slash KGB guy, by the way, after months of speculation about a possible shuffle. And by the way, um, <clears throat> well, we'll get into that. Like the, the idea that Pompeo has announced, in, which is where I was going to go uh, in that last break about that he's going to investigate um, the people who were following Ivanovich. Um, but we've got literally this secretary of the state and the CIA just interlinked now. This, I mean, this is what 
And Trump is seeing what Putin is doing and envying it and, and trying to recreate it effectively. Mr. Zubkov is a close friend and political ally of the president, but is not regarded as a political successor. No, he's a henchman. That, Putin has nothing but henchmen. Most analysts believe that Sergei uh, Ivanov, uh, Russia's hawkish former defense minister, is still the president's most likely choice. Speculation early today had suggested that Mr. Ivanov would be given the prime minister's job. That's later on. This guy's probably interim in that term. Radkov, who has led the government since 2004, will carry on until Zubkov's nomination is confirmed by the Duma. Russia's parliament, excuse me, most senior ministers were expected to keep their jobs, though the hated health minister, Mikhail uh, Zurabov, was uh, tipped for the chop. Very British. Um, uh, we all have to think together how to build a structure of power so that it better corresponds to the pre-election peri- period and prepares the country for the period after the pre- presidential election in March, Mr. Putin told Mr. Fradkov during the meeting shown on Russian television. Listen to the content of that statement. We all have to think together how to build a structure of power so that it better corresponds to the pre-election period and prepares the country for the period after the presidential election in March. Like, I'm not going anywhere, man. I mean, honestly, brother, you know, you don't think this is actually changing, do you? We got to, okay, let's all plan the phony election. And then afterwards, we plan for who's going to need to be broomed after we get out of here, man. Because let me tell you something. So um, this, you know, uh, lines up in a lot of ways with how, uh, you've got Pompeo now saying he's going to be investigating the people who were following uh, Marie Ivanovich. Um, this is uh, Secretary Pompeo. This yesterday said he will investigate allegations that former U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine Marie Ivanovich was under surveillance by private American citizens intent on her removal from Kiev and possibly threatening harm. The secretary's remarks. Uh, yeah, you think what private? Private citizens, private citizens, really? Is the, is the president's personal lawyer technically a private citizen? If he's, been in, if he's been engaged by Pompeo and the State Department to deliver material support to the campaign of the president, the, the, the campaign to reelect, um, if we want to get all Nixon about this, the secretary's remarks made an interview with Tony Katz today at radio program marked his first public comments nearly two days since bombshell revelations emerged that the associate of Rudy Giuliani was dis- discussing tracking the ambassador's movements as part of a larger campaign to secure a removal. This is literally there's audio of like she's leaving the building. She's walking to her car. Just so you know, like it's it sounds like someone talking to a sniper. It's creepy. Pompeo says. We will do everything we need to do to evaluate whether there was something that took place there. Is that is that a sentence? Is that th- think about it? We will do everything we need to do to evaluate whether there was something that took place there. <laughs> Shorter answer. We will ignore this because I already call BS on it. Then. By the way, his follow up statement was, I suspect that much of what's been reported will ultimately prove wrong. But our obligation, my obligation as Secretary of State is to make sure that we evaluate, investigate. Anytime there's someone who posts that there may have been a risk to one of our officers, we'll obviously do that. We'll obviously do that, you know. Um, 
uh, it, it reminds me of um, uh, there, there's a Michael J. Fox movie, Secret of My Success, fantastic film. Um, it's, it's sort of like Family Ties, the movie, you know, after the uh, <laughs> the sequel. And it, at one point, they go. Um, the guy goes, okay, Johnson's going to give his report. And Johnson stands up to give his report, and he goes, it's probably going to be a waste of time, but let's wait until he reads it to, before we start criticizing it and tearing it apart. And he's like, well, then fine, I'm not going to do it. He goes, well, well, I'm going to report that attitude to my boss. That That's the attitude of Pompeo. Let's do a phony investigation so we can, you know, let's let them do a phony investigation before we pretend let's pretend we give a crap before we let it all slide um the trump era is coming to a close by hook or by crook um and it will be the fault of donald trump and his like not the american people not a coup handing the presidency to pence not any of that um but again, vote.org, make sure you're uh, there. Come see me at uh, the upcoming... Well, I can't talk about it. Damn, I can't. Just patreon.com slash There, I said it, and that's all. Just Then you'll get to come and see stuff that's fun. That's all I'm saying. Damn it, I almost gave it away. I gotta go. All right, see you guys next week. Bye. 2020, a new year. It's the perfect opportunity to take your business to the next level by hiring the right people. But finding qualified candidates can be challenging. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin makes it easy. ZipRecruiter sends your job to more than 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there with their powerful matching technology. ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes and finds people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one, spotlighting the top candidates so you never miss a great match. It's so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-G-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.